From the Emmy-winning Science Guy on the PBS Children's Television Show to the lab coat crusader who saves the world on Netflix, Bill Nye is a longtime science's entertaining educator, a one-time mechanical engineer, and a perpetual science lover. He writes books at the publishing equivalent of The Speed of Light, and the latest, Everything All at Once, brought him to the Ace Theater in downtown Los Angeles, where he extolled science education for every kid in every classroom. The head of the Planetary Society wants to recruit nerds from all walks of life to join him in what he calls radical curiosity. And he nailed his colors to the mast over that deep divide in the world of scientists, Star Trek or Star Wars. What are the qualifications of a nerd? What does one have to be? You just got to be into something. You have to, you have to be passionate about something. Uh, I like tinkering. I'm a tinkerist. Uh, so I became a mechanical engineer. But I can imagine uh, people are nerdy about all sorts of things. And uh, we want you to take that passion and do something great with it. This book covers a lot of family territory. And then there's the title, Everything All at Once. You're, you're a fan of monotasking. Your license plate frame advances the cause of monotasking. That's right. But you're talking about everything all at once. My license plate frame says, try monotasking. Sure, you want to be driving and texting and eating an ice cream cone and faxing or whatever one does. <laughs> but just try doing one thing at a time. But uh, nevertheless, you've got to keep the idea that we have a lot of problems to solve here as humankind on Earth. You know, you know, humans now move more Earth and rock than Mother Nature does. Well, I mention that uh, to point out that we have a responsibility, that we are in charge now of the planet. So you can't just solve one problem or another problem. We have to solve all the problems, and we have to solve them all at once. And so what I want is clean water for everyone, reliably produced reno uh, renewable electricity, and uh, access to the internet or whatever the future of, of electronic information is called, worldwide information. And that will almost certainly involve space assets low-altitude satellites handing the internet signal from one of the, like, mobile phone call, but literally global scale. So let's go. Let's get that done. Okay. You probably saw this Pew poll recently that 54% of Republicans two years ago said colleges and universities has, have a positive impact. Now 58% say it's negative. And universities, universities have a negative have impact. have a negative impact on the way things are going. Wow, that's not good news. <laughs> Why are universities bad? This is a poll that just finds that they, are, they have a negative impact on the way things are going. And it seems to me that we are in retreat from, in some ways, having any regard for knowledge. Well, this is it, <laughs> the so-called experts. What do they know? Actually, they're experts, for crying out loud. One's intuition about climate change is not as good as facts about climate change. It just sounds like people are scared. 
it just sounds like people are afraid. And the people who are afraid, in general, do respect, and I am now one of them, are older. When climate change deniers, by way of example, are older, uh, they're, it's generational. And so we're just going to have to wait for those people to age out, as the saying goes. <laughs> age out is a euphemism for die. <laughs> so, but it'll happen, I guarantee you, uh, that'll happen. One of your chapters is everybody knows something you don't. But here's a cartoon from The New Yorker. It's a man standing on a plane with his hand in the air, and he's yelling. Hand in the air, facing the passengers, most of whom have their hands up. And he says, these smug pilots have lost touch with regular passengers like us. Who thinks I should fly this plane? <laughs> uh. So is this what we're up against? Yeah, kind of. That's pretty insightfully, ironically brilliant. <laughs> Flying a plane is something that takes practice. You know, you, you just as soon have experts who are good at that. We love the practical impact of technology. We love the new iPhone, and yet we retreat from the abstract. The idea of theory in science is different from the way people regard it in regular life. That's always been kind of a, a problem. The word theory is a special thing in science. Do you know what the special thing in science is? Uh, you can make a prediction, a sort of. A theory is a, a system of thought or what have you that provides a prediction that you can verify by observation and experiment. And you guys, as the saying goes, you know, the climate's changing whether you believe it or not. And uh, we gotta get to work on this. And I, I was born in the US. I, uh, got, I went to engineering school in the US. I got my engineering license in the US. So I'm all about the US. And I want the US to lead instead of not lead. And uh, I don't know how long you can sustain things if everybody hates you around the world. Why do people like conspiracy theories? Is it because it's easy? It's it easy. Wouldn't it be nice if there were just 60 people screwing everything up? You just find those 60 people and tell them to cut it out. But it's much bigger problem than that. Those of you out here who want to deny um, humans landing on the moon, if you're into that, uh, just look at the amount of paper NASA generated. You, you couldn't afford to fake that much paper. I'm not kidding, you guys. It would just be prohibitively expensive. The, there's warehouses full of documents, of specifications and drawings and engineering drawings and so on. Just that alone would overwhelm you as a fake or or fake Ricks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Buzz Aldrin punched out a guy who called him a liar. You're the one who said you walked on the moon when you didn't. Calling the kettle black if I ever thought of it. Saying Will I you misrepresented get it myself. Away from me. You're a coward and a liar and a thief. Oh, he was Say just fed up with that ha guy. Have you ever been tempted? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh no, Mr. Carlson. No, no, no. <laughs> Fine. I don't know if you saw that, me and Mr. Carlson. Look, it's, you know, people do come to every debate with preconceptions, and you're right about that, of course, but the essence of science is extreme, extreme skepticism. We always ought to be asking well, skepticism ourselves, is, is my hypothesis true? I'm a member of both skeptic organizations, to, Mr. Carlson, and this is, this is, you uh, see, you uh, you climate change denial skeptics. is denial. The evidence is overwhelming. 
Don't get me wrong, I love you as a person more than life itself, but the evidence for over for climate change is overwhelming. So we are looking for an explanation of why you guys are having so much trouble you're, you're, with it. You know, we, we have the situation where people are acting against their own self-interest. And that thing about universities or college that you mentioned from the beginning is probably part of that. What keeps the United States competitive, or any country competitive, uh, uh, in the economic sphere is innovation, new ideas. And if you, new ideas co come from science and they come from basic research and that comes at some place from universities and colleges. You can say it comes from the Department of Defense. Well, they get their innovators from universities. And it's not that we want everybody to be a scientist and believe me, we do not want everybody to be an engineer, no. The fashion crisis alone would be <laughs> very troubling. Uh, no, you just want people that support it. You want a, po a voting populace that supports innovation. Uh, attorneys who, um, who uh, protect intellectual property, venture capitalists who make it possible. People who sweep the floor in the buildings where the innovators are innovating. Everybody, you want them to support uh, the tradition of new ideas. Well, I grew up with the space age. Would. I mean, I'm of a certain age. I mean, I grew up with people presumed that uh, NASA could do anything. And still, NASA is the best brand the United States has. You travel anywhere in the world, people hate the U.S., but they respect the space program. So we just, <laughs> and that, And the space program is so well respected. Most countries have a space program. Vietnam has a space program. South Africa, Mexico is, is revving up its space program. Britain has re-revved its space program. Um, because people know what it does for your society. It has this optimism and you solve problems that have never been solved before. And you make discoveries that uh, influence the way everybody feels about living in the cosmos. And so it's uh, of great value. And NASA is still the much larger, the largest space agency in the world. It's larger than most other space agencies combined. Where so. did our official enthusiasm for science go? For me, it was in the 1980s, people started taking it for granted. It was Mr. Reagan, or the people around him were influential, and in taking the solar panels off the roof of the White House, curtailing any, the efforts to teach school children the metric system. This was all kind of a throwback time for me. And so you asked, when did it start to go to heck? It was long about that era when uh, this presumption that, you were, that making money was the best thing you could do. That was like the, the greatest achievement of anybody was to make money. And uh, you know, I don't mind it, but uh, it's not all I'm into. The, the classical opponent of knowledge is ignorance but now you seem to find a willful pushback. But people in a position of power and authority who ought to know better, there was, for example, a Republican state senator in Kentucky at a hearing about man-made climate change a few years ago said, I won't get into the debate about climate change, but I'll simply point out, I think in academia, we all agree that the temperature on Mars is exactly as it is here. Nobody will dispute that. I don't want to get into the debate about the climate change, but I will just simply point out that I think in academia we all agree that the, the, the temperature on Mars is exactly as it is here. Uh, nobody will dispute that, yet there are no coal mines on Mars. There's no 
factories on Mars that, that, that I'm aware of. Uh, so I think what we're looking at is something much greater uh, than what we're going to do. So either By the way, when you to go Google. to Mars, it's really cold, okay? But, and we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr., proponent of the notion that vaccines cause autism. I'm so happy to see all of you out here today finally telling the truth to this Congress, which needs to hear the truth for the first time. The government scientists are acknowledging that even tiny infinitesimal amounts of mer mercury, parts per billion, will cause profound neurological injury in children. And I was working on these issues, and mothers started coming up to me and said, you know, the biggest exposure is not coming from power plants or old mining claims, as you might think, it's coming from our own vaccines. So these are people in positions of visibility and authority who ought to know better, who may know better, but who are not ignorance. They're something else. They're pushing back from a willful I think that, uh, that we can understand nature as well as we do is an amazing thing and worthy of respect. And it, it's hard not to be critical of people who want to be ignorant, but I don't think it can last. I don't think the celebration of dingbatitude can... <laughs> can stick with us, because we'll get out-competed by the non-dingbats. And people will want to look to non-dingbats to uh, innovate and keep the United States competitive. Uh, as much fun as it sounds, coal mining isn't really that great of a job. And uh, I was in West Virginia a year and a half ago, and people are fed up with the coal industry. I mean, they're tired of it. And that's going to catch up with our leaders sooner or later. There are a lot of things that sound reasonable that aren't, and autism with a vaccination is really a classic, where people, the symptoms of autism are diagnosed at about the same age that certain vaccines are administered. So it looks like cause and effect, but there is none that's uh, provable medically. And I remind for all the anti-vaxxers out there, you have to get vaccinated. I'm not, I don't care about you. If you go ahead, get sick and die, knock yourself out. The reason I insist that you get vaccinated is to protect me from you, okay? Me, it's all about me. You get sick, the virus, the bacteria mutates inside of you. You are the Petri dish of death for the rest of us. <laughs> Vaccines were discovered in the 17 freaking hundreds, people. It's not some new freaking thing. <gasps> so we push back against that. When you were a Boeing engineer, did you ever expect you'd have to engage politically to defend science? I know, what the heck is that? I'm not the guy denying climate change. That, you guys started it. You, I didn't want to be political. You made it political, clowns. She was. <laughs> the heck? Uh, you know, climate change should be something, is something we should all be very concerned about, and we should get to work on it as soon as we can. It's really um, an extraordinary time. So that's why I wrote the book, is to get people excited about the process and how we know our place in the cosmos and how we can um, use our nerdiness to improve things for everyone. With that, if there were no carbon dioxide, the Earth would be about 30 degrees Celsius colder. What does that mean? Uh, this room right now is around 20, 21 degrees Celsius. 
uh, if you took it minus 30, it would be, everything here would be very, very cold. It'd be very unpleasant for us humans, unless we had our fabulous down jackets on. And so what we all know is liquid water would all be frozen. That's the difference caused by carbon dioxide. And the amazing thing to me is the amount of carbon dioxide is tiny. It's 0.04% of the Earth's atmosphere. It's 400 parts per million. When I was your age, it was 300 parts per million. It has gone up by a third in just three decades. That's, that's extraordinary. It's never gone that fast ever in the Earth's history that we can tell from the geologic record. So uh, this is what's causing climate change. That carbon dioxide going from what used to be 280 parts per million around the year 1750, and 1750 is the year we like to choose because it's when the steam engine was invented, the, six, the really usable, successful steam engine was invented. It's never had this much carbon dioxide get in the atmosphere this fast. And that's why the Earth is warming so fast. And it's our responsibility. Humans did this. You talked about how theory is used differently for lay people and scientists. You've also talked about skepticism. Oh, skepticism Which people is really think yeah. is a kind of denial, which it isn't. Yeah, so skepticism, there's two things that I think are, the word is used uh, or interpreted wrongly in two ways. The first one is skepticism is not the same as cynicism. Being skeptical, that is to say, not accepting a, a claim, especially an extraordinary claim, without evaluating it, is not the same as dismissing the claim outright because you're cynical. The other thing is uh, skepticism is, a, is what we call critical thinking. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong. Skepticism in scientific inquiry is often based on a claim. That is to say, you, have, you make a statement and you evaluate it to see whether or not it's true. You set up a test, an experiment, to see whether or not it's true. Um, that, that is a process that is a result of not taking something at face value. So it's a very big, like for example, Macy's has a holiday motto, believe. You know, get into the fantasy of uh, angels and Tinkerbell people and so on. But, but you don't want to believe for belief's sake. You want to believe, believe in something for good reason. And uh, people say that science is like a religion because you have faith in it. Uh, in science, we have faith in things because they're based on experiment and observation that are verifiable. It's not the same as having faith for faith's sake. However, what we do have in science and uh, skeptical thought is the belief that the universe or nature is knowable. Uh, and every time we come up against something that seems to be unknowable in science, we keep pushing and so on and we find out that it is knowable. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. Organized faith, also known as religion, has had conflicts with science back to Galileo and before. Are they mutually exclusive? Uh, first of all, 
there would be no conflict between religion and science. If you have faith in a higher power, uh, good. The amount of support and people get from their religions is extraordinary, the community. But the earth is not 6,000 years old. So if your religion makes you critical of me, it makes you insist that the earth is 6,000 years old, despite the overwhelming evidence that it's much older than that, then, then you have a problem with your religion. I mean, no, really. It's not, it's not my problem. That, well, actually, it has become my problem, but I've made it my problem because of young people. You don't want to teach young people that the earth is 6,000 years old. And this whole thing about states should have the right to teach this and that is, you guys, it's just a smokescreen for t states who don't want to teach evolution. And uh, just cut it out. Evolution's the main idea in all of biology. It's like not teaching tectonic plates in geology. I mean, you can, all the analogies are not teaching gravity or, you know. But people get a lot out of their religion. Science is not out there to take religions down. At least I'm not. But there are provable facts by means of science or the scientific method that if your religion conflicts with the provable facts, it's not science's problem or a scientist's problem or a mechanical engineer who took a lot of physics's problem. It's your problem. You have beliefs that are incompatible with the observable universe. There's one issue that has, over the decades, tended to split the science and nerd community, and I'm going to put it to you to find out what side of this you're on. So, which is it, Team Star Wars or Team Star Trek? <laughs> no, I'm of a certain age. I grew up with Star Trek, so I'm loyal to Star Trek. I mean, it's, I, the other thing I will say, objectively, as viewer of both, Star Trek is an optimistic view of the future through science. That's what Star Trek is. Star Wars is a family story about royalty and, uh, and conflict in the palace. And also it has magic or religion in it. It has a force which travels across galaxies uh, faster than light unexplained. So uh, for me, Star Trek is my thing. It's my thing. This interview is from the Los Angeles Times Ideas Exchange between Bill Nye and Pat Morrison. It's been edited by Todd G. Levin. The audio moments are from YouTube, from the Bill Nye the Science Guy show, from Tom Lehrer's song The Elements, and from the classic NBC series Star Trek. Listen long and prosper. Prosper.